You're listening to the Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is Requiem by Pascal Farfel, which appears in When the World Was Young, a prehistoric anthology. Pascal is a writer, musician, and photographer. You can find more of his stories on his Fur Affinity and So Furry pages. Please enjoy Requiem by Pascal Farfel. Come in. Bodarn, a badger amidst his 24th summer, stepped into the temple. In the center sat Zohan, a fox clad in a loincloth and covered from ear tip to toe in intricate body paint and tattoos. They were a dreamweaver, a religious leader and spiritual interpreter for the community. Much of their role emphasized music and dancing and the bright colorful use of body decoration. They were devoted to the celebration of the god's will, and particularly the most significant part of that will, love. On the walls behind them was a statue of a canine bearing three eyes. These motifs were continued all around the room, in the artwork, drawings, and in small statuettes placed about the temple. The fox turned and smiled at the badger, but the smile faded as Badan's discomfort was apparent. I have questions, Badan began, his throat catching, then releasing. Uh, about the spirits of the dead. Zahan nodded and gestured the badger forward to sit with them. It's about your father, isn't it? They whispered. May you have reprieve from grieving. It's not that simple, Bodarn said, sitting down on one of the benches, trying to keep his paws still into his side but failing. Nothing ever is, Zahan assured him. But your father loved you, and you loved him. Badan stared abruptly up into the fox's eyes. No, that's precisely the problem. The temple was a sprawling pyramid located in a jungle clearing. It was surrounded on all but one side with thick trees and dense bogs. The steps up the pyramid gave way to large open floors and sprouted more steps from the center to climb higher, thus producing external walkways around the diameter of the structure. For now, it was bright and the sky was clear, so Zahan invited Bodan outside with them to make the most of it. Rainstorms were common and divine, but were ideal for singing, dancing, and celebrating, not for the kind of guidance Bodan needed. Please, Zahan said softly, speak freely. Bodan nodded, still struggling to look Zahan in the eye. My father and I couldn't decide what I was to be, he explained. He wanted me to be close, to be protected from the wilds of the world, and I was perhaps less than keen to adhere. I wanted to be like the others out in the jungles, learning, exploring, adventuring in the Garden of the Gods. Finally, Bodarn's wandering gaze came to rest, looking into the trees where a trap had been set. You remember when Father had the accident with the snare? How could I forget? Zahan nodded, reaching out and taking one of Bodarn's paws in his. I performed the incantations while the botanists did what they could to heal. And heal well he did, the fox sighed wistfully. But you were there too. The son was beside the father in his time of need, as was he with you in yours. He gave you that jade necklace, do you remember? Bodarn nodded. The necklace, yes, he'd crafted it just prior to the accident. He was going to wear it on the hunt, but after the accident he gave it to me so I can remember him when I hunt in his stead. 
The badger took a long breath. The pain he was in after that, it drove him mad, he explained, able to bring his eyes back to Zohan, meeting the tattooed fox's soft gaze at last. Few people outside myself and my mother knew of how the pain was affecting him. Few saw him, and those that did only saw him when we had enough herbs to numb the demons. But Arn's gaze wandered again, staring toward the village they called home. I just remember the pain, he muttered. Zohan nodded, easing Badarn into an embrace, guiding his head to their chest. You did what you could. No, Badarn sniffed. I didn't. May you rest from grieving. Thank you, Badarn replied, looking at the jar that contained his father's remains loaded with care upon a pallet such that it could be transported to the burial site. But Arn stared at the jar. Normally he'd have someone else to defer to at a time like this. Not so anymore. The weight of his kin, past, present, and future, was his alone to carry. Have you decided where they are to be buried? The morgue keeper asked. But Arn nodded. In the grove by the brook. It's where we used to sit when I was young, the badger said. Back when we talked. The last comment puzzled the vulture, but the bird nodded and tilted her bill, and the badger bowed in return. Badarn led the vulture outside, helping to wheel the large ceramic jar out of the morgue. Outside, they met Zohan again, and the three made their way with the jar through the village, across the muddy, holy bogs to the north, and towards the burial site. Within an hour, the jar had been moved to the grove. The badger thanked the vulture, who retired back to the town leaving Zohan and Bodan alone. In the silence, Zohan broached the question. Do you feel his death was your fault? No, I, the badger stammered, a firm shake of the head. I don't pretend to understand life and death. I know only of myself and how my father and I were. And I know when he died, we were father and son in name alone. Bodan stared off towards the river, holding himself firm and letting anger rise, bubble, then fall and decay. The whisper of the wind wafted through the evening air. He could hear the voices ringing in it, the shouting, the fighting, a memory cast into the sky. As the pain grew worse, so did my father's temper. He was never violent or did he threaten it, but he had high expectations of me. It was very controlling. I couldn't always give him what he wanted, and he would grow angry, and I would hide away, Badan explained. He began to dig into the ground where he would lay the jar, with Zahan helping. The terrain here was soft soil, wet from the rainfall, reasonably fertile, but too close to the river to be useful as farmland. It was easy for the badger's paws to scoop through it, but it remained fairly solid, able to be piled up, unlike the thick, comfortable lot of the bogs, or the strong, hard ground onto which the town was built. When Badan's arms became tired, he sat back and spoke again. I didn't want to anger him or hurt him, I just couldn't give him what he wanted. As he grew more angry and we fought, I grew to resent his control and his temper. I wasn't as helpful, as kind, or considerate as perhaps I could have been. He'd do things that would hurt me, probably not on purpose, but... 
I could never tell him that he'd hurt me and have him understand. When I went to see a healer, he demanded to know what was wrong. When I didn't want to tell him why, he grew so terribly cross. Eventually, he deceived me in telling him, and I couldn't handle the shame, the badger grunted. I must believe that I had done things in kind, but by the time he passed, we were so incapable of talking, I don't think we'd ever be able to apologize for our transgressions. These are the questions I have, Bodan said at last, looking Zohan in the eye. Will my father, in death, know what I feel inside? Will he see that I don't love him anymore? And if he knows, can he hurt me? Sohan nodded. He looked out into the sea, into the sunset, then took a deep breath. Have you ever heard the parable of Three Eye? I asked. The wolf who was given the gift of a third eye by the gods, capable of seeing the past and the present in one perfect image. Bodarn shook his head. Not particularly closely, only what you've said of them at ceremonies. The fox nodded, standing up and stepping around to the water. When three eyes saw the past, they could see their mistakes and their failures. But what is forgotten is that three eyes also saw their achievements and their sacrifices. Zahan reached into the river water, lifting it up in their cupped hands, and bringing it to the grave, pouring it slowly over the jar. Thus it is important to remember that sometimes, in family and in friends, we will have failed. But sometimes we will have succeeded in great ways, too. The pair moved to lift the jar, slowly easing it down into the dirt, maneuvering it to lie flat. The ceramic lay only a foot or two under the top of the grass. We are not expected by the gods to be perfect, and this is true of both you and your father. Not even the gods can achieve perfection, and they have powers beyond our wildest dreams. They took a deep sigh, looking into Badarn's eyes again. But what you describe... Transgressions which divide both you and your father to the point where your love is severed, that is not... The fox paused and considered. That is not a sin. It is a disappointment, a pity, a shame, but not a sin. With the jar lowered into the grave, Zohan sat down to rest. To find but a lack of love in your heart in the face of such adversity is understandable. It is simply, as I'm sure you feel, a shame that it is this way. Zohan looked back towards the jar, Badarn sitting down with them. The gods give love. They can take it away, but they can also let it fade. Love is the most powerful force in the land, and if the gods saw fit not to preserve it between you, it is the gods' will, not yours, nor mine, nor your father's. But will he still be angry? The badger replied. Will he have hate for me for not being able to love him anymore? Bodarn deflated. He was affected so by the way I stopped saying that I loved him when he feared it was true. Now he knows his fear is correct. Zohan and Bodarn sat in silence. They stared into the distance, the intangible far hoping that something from the gods might hand them the words, the actions, the divine wisdom. None was forthcoming. 
We should collect the adornments for the jar, Zohan said at last. Bodar nodded and got to his feet. With heavy hearts, the pair began to walk back toward the village. It is a great disappointment that it fell apart that way, the fox continued. Fault is wrong, but fault is not the right word. It is a shame, a miserable shame, they muttered. The gods may judge you for your failures and for his, but they will judge you both for your sacrifices, your attempts, your willingness to try. They will not judge for the dimming of your love. It is beyond your control. If your father is angry and hateful for that failure, the gods will judge him too. Some situations are unfortunate, like his injury, like what befell of your kinship. Zahan paused abruptly at the Temple of Three-Eye. But if what you say is true, then it is just that. Tragedy of mutual transgression and entropy. They put their paw on the badger's shoulder, looking deeply into his eyes again. I wish you peace from your sorrow. Bodan nodded, looking quietly up at the fox before wrapping his arms around the wise dreamweaver, pressing his head into their shoulder and beginning to weep. Inside the family home, now quiet but for himself, Bodarn reached into a small box and pulled out the jade necklace. The stone was cold, just like his father. He put the box back but kept the necklace in his paw. He began the walk to the burial site as other mourners slowly began to congregate. It was a small crowd, maybe twenty at most, but each had a story to tell, one of their experiences with Bodarn and his father, how much they resembled each other, how well they got on in a public capacity, that special bond of father and son. What once was, what might have once become, what now lay in ruin. The throng of people parted such that Bodarn could walk to the grave. Night had fallen. Lit torches were placed around the gravesite. The inky black of night swirled as if the creatures of the night had gathered to pay their respects too. The jar lay quietly, dirt ready to cover it, while Zahan stood between it and the river. They had been freshly adorned with intricate body paint, giving the fox an ethereal look, breaking up their outline in a series of dazzling patterns. People took their places. For a moment there was quiet. Wind rushed out of the trees across the congregation. The badger tried not to listen to its words, not to imagine the voice. A deep breath. Bodarn held out the necklace up to the moonlight. It reflected that light down upon the jar below. The crowd stirred in understanding, and Zahan spoke an incantation to bless the peace. When the fox lowered their voice, Bodarn eased the necklace around the neck of the jar, then stood back up. Why did it have to end like this? The badger whispered. And it was for this, not for the loss, that the badger began to weep. Those to each side of him, an otter and a wolf, took gentle hold of the badger in an effort to comfort him, as Zahan began the ceremony. Kahan is in the arms of the gods now, they began. When they saw Kahan, they saw a man who wanted the best for his family and did what he could to see out that vision. When times became tough, he remained steadfast and strong as best he could. In the end, the gods saw that making this sacrifice endure was unfair and relieved Kahan of his pain. 
we must imagine Kahan happy and pain-free at last, in a place of peace. The winds blew again, Fox pausing to let them flutter through, pausing to allow the wind to speak. Hedges bustled, trees rustled, but Arn screwed his eyes shut, tried to close his ears, too. Whatever the wind had to say, he knew he didn't want to hear it. Please just make it stop, was his silent prayer. When the wind was quiet, Zahan continued. Kalha'an is survived by his son, Bodan, the fox said, looking at the badger for a moment, then back to the sky. His son shares the sharp eye, the astute curiosity, and the cunning determination that is embodied in his father's spirit. His destiny will be unique, different to his father, but no less holy than that of Kaha'an. Although the destiny of Bodarn, as decided by the gods, will not match that which Kaha'an had requested, we know that with hindsight and divine foresight, we shall see Kaha'an proud of Bodarn for his accomplishments both past and in future. With the Dreamweaver's speech concluded, Zahan stood back, and the crowd turned toward Bodarn, inviting him to speak. It was tradition to speak, for someone from the family to make a departing speech at the funeral. Sometimes the surviving family is so over-encumbered with grief that this is understandably not possible. But Darn had no idea what to say. It wasn't so much that he hadn't prepared, more that nothing could prepare him. On Kalha'an, he had nothing to say. On the resultant shards of broken feelings he could speak for years, as he stood with those around him waiting to speak, he spoke not a word, for he did not dare speak the truth. Not here, not now. Silence hung for a while. People shuffled and looked at him expectantly, but there was nothing. Not even the wind dared to interrupt him. At last, Badan sighed and uttered ever so simply, I'm sorry, it was said without direction to the gods, to Zohan, to the attending masses, to Kalha'an, to all of them, to none of them. Badan stepped back into the throng of people, now confused and uneasy. As Zohan stepped back forward, they were the only person, other than the gods, Badan, and Kalha'an, to properly understand what was going on. People now seemed to understand that something wasn't right, but they were all far too polite to ask. Certainly not right now. To conclude the proceedings, the Dreamweaver began to sing a slow, mournful piece of throat music. People joined in as the piece rose in pitch to suit their own vocal registers. Even this was a little disjointed and uneasy. The badger joined in with the song and, as Zohan stopped singing to let the crowd carry it onwards, stepped forth again to aid the fox in laying the dirt over the jar. The act of adding the dirt was done communally, led by the family, but all assembled would participate, for as a community they were all bearing one of their people. With all hands, paws, and wings contributing, as the moon set down to touch the horizon, the last handful of dirt was cast over the jar. Kalha'an was gone.
but Arne knelt by the grave, breathless, while the rest of the congregation paid their respects in near silence and one by one departed back for home. Many would look upon Bodan and seem keen, so, so keen to say something, to broach the enormous silence, but stop themselves short. When Bodarn and Zohan were alone, the badger spoke at last. It is done, he said. It is, Zohan replied. The badger sighed and got to his feet. I think I'm going to have to answer a lot of questions in the coming months. Tell them the truth, if you feel you want to, the fox replied, putting an arm of the badger's shoulder. The truth can only set people free. People won't want to hear it, that's for sure. Perhaps, Zahan nodded. But that's true of all great truths, isn't it? This was Requiem by Pascal Farfel, read for you by Rob McWolf, Werewolf Hitchhiker. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.